everybody, Jonathan checking in here. Just so you know, this is a two-part episode. This is the second part of the episode. So if you've not listened to the first part yet, you want to go back and listen to it uh, in the prior weeks. We should have it labeled on the on the episode title, what part one is and part two is. Uh, so you should be able to listen to that uh, in the, uh, see that in the title of the episode, if it's uh, what episode uh, of episode it is. So thanks. Yeah. So back to the risk mitigation piece, like this is the duck test, guys and gals. Like if it walks like a duck and looks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And, you know, in a, in a lot of these scenarios and situations, when you really start digging into it, sure it looks like an employee to me and not uh, an independent contractor when we start applying these tests and that kind of thing. So I've not ever seen it go that way. You and I both know and have seen many, many times. There's lots of famous cases where Somebody that was classified as a as an independent contractor gets reclassified as an employee. We don't we've we've not I mean not that it hadn't happened, but I've not ever seen it happen where somebody was classified as a as a W two employee and it went the other way and they became all of a sudden an independent contractor. Yeah. So, you know, back to back to the risk question, right? Every day as a business owner, you're taking you're taking risks that are out there. What risks are you willing to take, and what risks do you want to take? Yeah, exactly. And you know. let's talk about what those risks are. Like, let's say that it does get reclassified, you know, from independent contractor to, uh, to an employee status. In in reality, what's happened is in the past, the independent contractor should have been reporting on their taxes. They were being paid as a, as a 10, as a 1099 and as such been paying the full 15.3% of the FICA taxes, which is 7.65% for the employer side and 7.65% for the employee side of what is social security and, uh, uh, Medicare. And, um, that's their portion of it up to the first, you know, like $120,000 and then social security goes away. And then, you know, the number may be a little bit different this year, but, um, after that it's the 2.9% for the Medicare, uh, above that. And, um, they would be responsible for that wholly as an independent contractor. If they get reclassified, what happens is the employer then has to pay all those taxes that they didn't pay the 7.65, which, cause they are the, the full 15.3% because they hadn't been paying any of it. I'm sorry. No. Let me rephrase that. They only have to pay the employer portion, the 7.65%, because that was all they were on the hook for originally. But they also have to pay penalties and interest on the time from the time it was originally due. And penalties and interest on payroll taxes or something you don't want to mess with because it goes up fast and it compounds. And it almost, I think like you're, you're looking at over a few year period, which will likely take a few years for this to be caught. You're, you will likely pay more in penalties and interest than you will pay in actual back taxes. Um, and it's really, really annoying to try and get out of those things. Um, so it, it ends up being, it can't, when you're talking about an associate, you know, on the first $120,000, say you pay them 150, you know, you're looking at probably, you know, 10, $15,000 over a three year period, $45,000 in back taxes, add in double that for penalties and interest. You got $90,000 all of a sudden for one employee or one person. It's a lot of money if you get it wrong. Um, and then what happens to the employee on the employee side, the employee side, they then have to go in and. Uh, the independent contractor that got reclassified then has to file amended returns to go and get that money back from the government that they paid in incorrectly because um, they paid in the employer portion on their side. Um, I'd be really interested in finding out if the employees ever actually, if, they, if the government ever actually contacts those independent contractors and says, hey, you may have been reclassified as wrong and they actually pay, pays them the money. Um, I would hope that'd be automated, but you never know with the IRS. Um, so, and then um, for everything we've, all, everything I've always heard, I've not seen this specifically happen in, in, in practice, is that the federal government will usually send a letter to the state saying, hey, we've reclassified things. But if they catch it on the state level, they don't typically send it to the federal level. 
So that, yeah. that, that's the risk you're taking in having people be classified incorrectly and incorrectly. Uh, so it could be a lot of money if you're paying somebody up to the cap. Um, so, so that's, that's one. So let me ask this, Jonathan. So, so I've seen, I've seen this come through a, a handful of times. We have, uh, somebody that's interviewing to be a chairside assistant. They come in and then they do like, let's just say a working interview. Uh, and they work for eight hours. We pay them, you know, 20 bucks an hour or whatever, pick, pick your number. And then all of a sudden we, mm-hmm. we write them a check at the end of the day for 160 bucks. It didn't work out with this individual. We ended up deciding to hire somebody else. So like if, if somebody has 160 bucks that they pay to somebody for uh, a working interview, are they required to send them a 1099, like as a contractor? Yeah. So, um, if, they didn't pay them through W two. Then yes, they are required to send them a ten ninety nine because they didn't send them. They didn't pay them. They didn't pay them as an employee. The technically correct, technically correct thing that I believe is technically correct um, is that that person should have been an employee for that day, um, and you should have withheld the pay the, the payroll taxes and paid unemployment and all those other things on that person for the day that they were there. Um, and then, um, but in practice and in industry standards, a lot of times those are just paid out at 1099 because it's simpler to do. They don't have to do that. They don't have to get the payroll company involved. They don't have to fill out the forms. They don't have to worry about the direct deposit slips. They don't have to do all those things getting, you know, they go along with it. But I, I believe the technically right thing to do is to pay them as, a, as an employee for the working interview. And then, um, you know, assumably if they don't work out, then they'll just get a W-2 for, you know, 300 bucks or something like that at the end of the year, whatever, or hundred bucks, whatever it is. So that, that's my understanding. Is yours the same? I thought there was something about 600 bucks. And if you paid somebody less than 600 bucks that you weren't required, but um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, going back to our risk of loss, like that clinical person that came in for an interview, they don't have any risk of loss for sure. Financial risk yeah. of loss that day. Yeah. So there definitely is a, 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 a de minimis rule for uh, 1099s. If it's less than $600, you pay someone on an annual basis, then you're not required to issue them a 1099. But uh, if you're not paying them as an employee, then you're def- by default paying them as a contractor, uh, which if assumably, let's say that that day was over $600 in payments for that day, then they would be required to be 1099. You can actually issue someone a 1099 for if they, if they, if you've paid them less than 600, um, gotcha. but you're not required to. Um, so gotcha. I guess that's an important caveat to have. Um, but, sure. um, so yeah, so, so we've talked about the associate position. We've talked about the more, the, you know, the, the, the clinical side. Let's talk about a specialist. Cause this is where I find it's really that, that shade of gray. It's a lot darker here. Whenever you start talking about a specialist that's coming in. Um, so we have, uh, people that will have like, um, an endodontist come in or maybe an orthodontist or, um, someone coming in oral surgeon come in, you know, sometimes, uh, once a, once a week, sometimes once a month, once every other month, once every six months, something like that. They just fill their day up. They work there. They get, they get a cut of the production for the day and they go on their merry way. What, you know, whenever we have that situation come up, what is your, what's your best advice to the person in terms of determining, is that person a contractor or are they an employee? Yeah, great question. I mean, I'd go back to some of the stuff that we've talked about. Is this person bringing their own staff whenever it comes to the anesthesia? Are they using their own tools? Are they using their own anesthesia drugs to put this person under? So this, so, so I had my wisdom teeth removed a couple of years ago and I didn't ask the question, but like, since I'm an accountant, like I'm in the background thinking, I wonder if this guy's 1099 or if he's a W2, you know, and I watched him bring in his own cart of tools. I watched him bring in two uh, assistance with him. I watched him pull out his own anesthesia supplies. He didn't reach in the drawer 
of the of the main room, the operating room that I was in, and pulled pulled materials out of the place that I was at. He brought his own stuff with him. So you know, I I think that that those are those are all different things. Uh, you know, and and as I got a chance to ask him about how much of this he's doing. You know, he worked out of, I think it was probably 20 or 30 offices, you know, here in the, in the, the Metroplex that I live in. Uh, and this is something that he did one day, like a month at this specific practice. I mean, those, those to me, you know, go back to walk like a duck, looks like a duck, probably a duck. That guy's an independent contractor. Um, you know, he's, he's the one that's doing all of the work. He's the one that's, you know, he's out, out in business for himself and he's, he's got all of this risk of loss that comes along with it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. The, the The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is the Uber case. And the reason is, is because, you know, they, they, these are not Uber cars that these these people, these drivers are driving. It's their vehicle. You know, it's not, they're, they're getting, you know, gas paid for it and things like that. But I think the reason they're getting the gas paid for it, I think that they pay them based off of the rate of how much, how, how many miles they're driving. It's a mileage rate they get reimbursed for or something like that, um, which I think I haven't looked into the case very much because it doesn't have anything to do with the industry. So I've just read the headlines. Um, but my, my guess is they're getting Uber on the fact that their payment to those people covers the risk of loss. It probably gives them some type of money for mileage, probably gives them some type of money for insurance, probably gives them some type of mileage for maybe even cell coverage or phone coverage or something like that. It may give them some type, it, it allows, it has, gives them the app. It gives them the control over everything else. Because if you think about it, a lot of those Uber drivers are also like Lyft drivers and, you know, local car service drivers that are on an apps. Like they're not exclusive. Like they, they typically aren't, they typically have, they can, they do it for all the apps. So, and they basically just jump through whichever one pays them the most at that moment in time to which one they're going to be taking on the call for. Um, so, my thought with that is, yes, it sounds like an independent contractor. I think that the fact pattern aligns with them being an independent con- contractor. But I think this is a situation where this, the facts are important, but also the way that they're paid is important. Because I think that that's probably how Uber got caught, was that they were giving them money based off of these rates like built in to how much they were paying people for all these different things. So that if there was a, if, if they get a car wreck or something like that, you know, um, more than likely, I guess Uber would probably be the person in, in trouble with that because the person's not going to sue the other person. They're going to sue you know, Uber if that something like that happens, right? Uh, like so, um, and that could have been the only fat pattern that the government needed to say, hey, that risk of loss is on the company, not on you, on the employee, because the person's not probably going to sue the person. They're going to sue the big company, even if it was the employee's fault, because they were operating under the cord of the other company. So, it's an interesting question. Um, I think that. I think that, yeah, you know, the most logical answer is to have them be the independent contractor. Um, but I think that if you were to pay that person, like, you know, hey, I'm going to pay you 70% of production because you're doing all the stuff and that just covers everything that you're, that should cover your staff, that should cover your insurance, that should cover all, you know, all the risks that you're taking and the travel costs and things like that. If you're paying all that through that payment, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think that could be, that could be a precedent on the dent, our dental uh, community that, you know, if they take the same findings that they took in the Uber case, that that could be, you know, reclassified as an employee, um, which would be bad for a lot of people. But um, it probably wouldn't make a whole lot of difference because it's so, it'd be so specific of a situation and happens so rarely, um, but potentially could be. So I, the reason we're talking about this is just for um, education purposes and just to kind of highlight how it is. There are lots of shades of gray in this, um, but I think ultimately they probably would have been independent contractor as well. Um, so. So anyway, so that's the specialist side and we get a lot of questions on that. Um, and you know, that, 
the way, so on that one, the way I wish they're paid and everything like that does make a difference as well um, in, in pieces. Um, the last situation that we want to cover that is very common is for hygienist. So hygienist is a very special breed of question. Um, and uh, Joseph, why don't you take this one? Like we, we were just talking about beforehand, um, some situations we've seen that have came up with hygienists specifically. Yeah. So I, I had a, I had a, a, a dentist call me and say, Hey, I saw on Facebook the other day that, you know, a hygienist came out and said, if a dentist tries to issue you a 1099, you tell them that's illegal. And you know, all of this different stuff. And, uh, anyways, I was talking to our client and I said, well, I don't really like to use the term illegal. Uh, I don't think that that's a term we need to be using to discuss this uh, because there are a lot of nuances in this individual situation and, and the, all of these different pieces that, that go along. Um, you know, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to apply these different tests that the IRS gives us uh, that are out there with, with the hygienist. Is this, you know, is this somebody that shows up that sees your patients on your schedule with your tools on your time and they get paid a percentage of that. Boy, that sure doesn't sound like an independent contractor to me. Do they only work at your place? Yeah. Uh, do they have their own company? Do they have all of these other other pieces? Is there any is there any real control that they have inside of the schedule? Do they set their own schedule? So, you know, one of the things that, that the longer that I've spent in dentistry and the more we kind of dig into these individual situations, it's pretty rare that a hygienist is going to qualify as an independent contractor. Would you say that that's that's accurate, Jonathan? Yeah. I mean. I mean, it, it's probably, you know, one yeah. of the bigger, bigger mistakes I see. Honestly, I think this is all an industry issue. Like, I think what happened was, so young business owners today don't understand the pain that payroll was 10 years ago, even, you know, even in, in, in the early 2000s to 2010, prior to that, payroll was awful. It was really hard to do. I mean, it's, it's not difficult to do. It was just really tedious to do. There's lots of little things you had to do. Um, and I think that the reason this, this got started was that people just didn't want to deal with having to have an employee for someone who was in there, you know, once a week or once every other week or once a, a month or whatever it is. Like, oh, yeah, they're an independent contractor because my CPA says they don't want to deal with payroll uh, is, is basically what usually would happen, <laughs> I think. And as time has gone on, payroll has gotten simpler and simpler. And so that, that excuse, it does. I think that the, the excuse turned into the, to they, some type of logical fallacy got created that, well, they are independent contractors because they're only here every once in a while, which has no bearing over, you know, the control systems that the IRS looks at. Um, and so to talk about your, you know, you're not going to go to tax jail uh, if, um, you know, if you pay an, a, a hygienist and independent contractor wage, but you might get a penalty and in interest down the line. And, you know, if you issue a 1099 to someone, it's because you paid them as a contractor that they, and they accepted payment for that. Um, and so, a 1099 is an issuance of just notice that you paid someone in a certain manner. It's not stating that all of a sudden that they were a contractor where they weren't before. Like you paid them. Okay, fine. They want to be an employee. Okay, cool. Give me, give us our money back. You know that you, we paid you $800 and you know, 200 of that was supposed to be, was, would have been payroll taxes. So, you know, if you want to be an employee, okay, fine. Be an employee, but here's how much you owe us. If that's the case. I'm fine. You know, and so, you know, unfortunately, you know, the, the employee probably won't come up with the $200. And, and unfortunately, if they do raise a stink about it, you're probably going to be the one that's going to get in trouble for it. Um, but when I say trouble, I mean, you, you may have to pay penalties and interest and things like that and have to pay a, a payroll company to fix your, your problem for you. Um, but 
in general, yeah, your hygienist is a con- is not a contractor. It's it's going to be an employee. Um, the only exception to that I can think of is like if you had a consultant that happened to be a hygienist as well, um, and that was they were literally just doing consulting on like maybe efficiencies or something like that. Um, so, uh, and to be specific about this, there are some states that you know, I think like uh, I was mentioning to you, Joseph, is like I believe North Carolina said that you know if you are paying your hygienist as contractors then you are wrong. Like it doesn't matter any of the fact patterns. If you pay a hygienist, a 1099 contractor payment, you are wrong and don't do it again or else. I think that they've even, they've even um, threatened suspending licenses over this, dental, dental licenses over this. So Jeez, the there are some states that are, and I think California may be the same, same as well. Um, there are some states that are very specific about this. And again, the reason that I believe this is the case is because the governments are trying to protect the employees of being taken advantage of from unscrupulous business people that are just trying to save a buck on the unemployment side of things uh, and not having to pay the 7.65%, maybe also getting away from having to pay some benefits that maybe the independent contractors wouldn't get compared to what the employees would get. Even though in today's day and age, a lot of the benefits that are outlined in there, a lot of them actually cover independent contractors too. It's just that people don't realize it and they're having ERISA violations. Um, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, but yeah, so that, that that's kind of my thought on it. Anything you want to add in terms of the hygienist question? Not really. I mean, I, I tend, I mean, I'm a CPA, so we're going to tend to be pretty conservative and we're going to yeah. tend to probably err on the side of caution. So, you know, when you look at the risk reward equation on a lot of this stuff, like it's a whole lot less risk and it's really not to, to classify these folks that are coming in as W2 employees, put them on payroll, they come on, they come off, uh, you know, as easy as these payroll providers make it now to bring people on and off. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things like, is is the juice worth the squeeze, right? Is it worth it to have all of these, quote, independent contractors that you, yeah, you save the self-employment tax on it, you know, it's on them and that kind of thing. But, you know, a year later, two years later, because it, that's when these things are going to get looked at. They're not going to look at who you paid an independent contractor last month and say, oh, you know, 7.65, it's going to be two, three, five years later. It's going to come back and look at all your stuff and make those determinations. And at that point, as you mentioned, a lot of times the penalties and interest can even be more than the actual tax itself. Yeah. You know, um, other big, you know, misconceptions I'd like to clear up before anyone, uh, you know, questions it. Uh, number one, you can't contract away employee or employer independent contractor status. So just because you had a contract with someone saying, hey, you're a contractor, does not mean that person's a contra- contractor. The contract makes, I hate, I hate that the, the word contract is included in contractor because it makes me say like I'm making a contract with the contract with the contract. And then I'm going to make a contradiction into the contract. So um, the contract that you, the agreement that you make with this contractor um, cannot define what they are and what are they are not. It's the fact pattern creates what they are, not your, not a piece of paper that you both signed. Doesn't make a difference. That's a big one. So just, so if you're out there like, well, I'm going to have them sign a piece of paper saying they're a contractor. That that doesn't, it might, it, it might, if there's a seven part test and they're trying to get you to pass every seven parts, you might get like a 0.1 answer to one of the tests. If you're, if that happens, um, because you both agreed to it, but I, I highly doubt it. Um, another big misconception is that the employer gets to, gets to be the, 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 the deciding factor on it. Yeah. I mean, technically, yes, the employer is the person who decides I'm going to pay you this way or that way. Um, but ultimately the government could have something to say about it. 
Um, if you are someone who is going to be the person providing these services and you feel like you're being improperly classified, what is Joseph, what is your, what is your answer to the person that says like, Hey, yeah, they're wanting to hire me, but they want to pay me as an independent contractor. And I've listened to this podcast with like these two really handsome CPAs. And they said <laughs> that, you know, um, what, that, that, that wasn't right. What do I do? Uh, like what, what would your advice to that person be? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. I mean, certainly, you know, as somebody coming on, you want to be excited about the place you work. You want to establish a good relationship. I would hope that through the interview process that you've gotten a chance to, you know, establish some rapport with the individual uh, owner of the business. Um, You know, first thing I would do is just have an open conversation uh, about it and just say, Hey, you know, I know that you said that you want to pay me as a 1099. Uh, I, you know, I, I got a chance to look at the test for the IRS I mean, maybe pull out the source document and say, this, this right here says very clearly that I'm not an independent contractor, that I'm a W-2 employee. Uh, you know, that, that would be my preference. Um, you know, I, I, had a, I had somebody tell me one time whenever I was kind of looking at, kind of looking at the, the statutes or whatever, they said, I said, well, I think that this probably should be done this way because this is, this is what the law says. And he looked at me and he goes, Joe, it's hard to do, it's hard to disagree whenever you have when you have the law in front of you, or whenever we're talking about it being pretty specific and being done uh, the right way. So I'd have an open conversation about it. Uh, I'm not one that likes to you know start using threats and stuff like that. I, I you know that's that's not the kind of relationship that you want to have with your employer. Uh, I'd want to have an open, honest conversation. I'd talk to your CPA about it and get your CPA's take on it, uh, and then see if you can come to an agreement and. Uh, you know, if not, maybe if you if you come across a business owner that's so rigid in the way that they're thinking and they won't have an engage in any conversation, like what kind of precedent does that set for the time that you're going to work for them? You know, like we can't sit down as reasonable human beings and have a, a, a reasonable discourse and conversation like how's that going to do whenever they're looking over my shoulder and evaluating the dentistry I'm performing or the way that I do chairside and the way that I, you know, talk to the the staff like is this going to be a my way or the highway person and i think probably most of our listeners can say that they probably have worked for somebody that says that it's my way or the highway and that probably wasn't a very pleasant experience so uh, I, that that's my thing I, I i'm about open lines of communication what what would your thoughts be just kind of in addition to that or or also along those lines jonathan number 1 is it never hurts to ask um you know uh if you have some type of documents the unfortunate truth is that they're probably not doing that just because they're probably doing it because um, they've done it in the past with other people and they thought that that was the right thing to do. Uh, or two, they could even have, they could even be receiving bad advice. Um, they could be receiving someone telling them that that's what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, there's a lot of gray areas in this. And so they say, well, the great the gray area. I'm going to pick the great, the area that you know is most convenient to me. And they may even see it as a win for you. I've seen, I've heard of that a lot as someone trying to convince the person like, Hey, yeah, you should take this as a contractor because if you do that, then you can take all these write-offs that you wouldn't normally be able to take, which is actually true now because you're not allowed to take uh, miscellaneous deductions subject to 2% rule, uh, which are things like non reimbursed employee expenses, um, which, you know, you could about four years ago, but now you can't. Um, so you do get some deductions if you're going to be in a, a contractor versus you would be as an employee, but you also typically aren't eligible for as many benefits, which also can be expensive and, you know, cost you things there. So, you know, my best advice to that person is really think long and hard, like how much you want this position. Um, this is one of those, us as CPAs, our best advice is probably to, it, our best advice is always to follow the rules and to, to do what you're supposed to do. 
But in reality, if you're talking about a position that you really want and it's a good paying position and it's like, this is your livelihood and this is what you're trying to do. And you know, you're, you're probably not going to be able to punch up. You're probably just going to get punched down in that situation. Um, now, is that right? Is that wrong? You know, if it's wrong, then, um, the only real recourse you can is to take the independent contractor pay if you want that position. Um, and then, you know, at some point in time, you may, maybe you could raise a stink about it to a, a governmental agency if you, if you wanted to, I don't think that's probably the best idea from for a number of different reasons, but, um, that, that may ultimately be your only choice. Um, the other thing that comes up a lot is, um, they're giving me two offers, which I feel is really peculiar, but it happens fairly often. You can either be an independent contractor at this rate, or you can be an employee at this rate. Which one should I choose? Um, which, you know, that, that's a very, that's not uncommon like that uh, for that to happen. Um, and my, just so you know, my, so we're getting a little bit long in the episode, but what I would say to do in that situation is to, uh, take the full offers and compare them because, usually there's differences. Like it's usually not like, Hey, do you want to be, do you want to be one of these or the other? Um, because if you're, if you're the independent contractor, you can take these write-offs, but if you're an employee, you'll get, you know, like, I don't know, like your healthcare covered or something like that. Um, so those are two very different offers and you gotta, you know, you gotta calculate out the, the benefit of both of those a little bit separately. Maybe that's one good one for your CPA to help you out with. Um, so, um, so yeah, that, that, that's my general advice to those people. Um, but again, so to, to the misconceptions, the employer doesn't technically dictate it. If you're, you're going to be an employee going in, let's reverse that. Let's say that, uh, you're about to hire your first associate and they're like, I only want to be an independent contractor. What is your advice to that, that person, to that employer, Joseph? <laughs> I don't know. My way of the highway just never works for me. I just really don't like that approach. And I, I like discussion and I like, you know, having some dialogue back and mm-hmm. forth. Uh, I'd pull out the rules and say, you know, here's what the rules are. How can we make this happen? One way All or my the friends other. are being you know, paid as independent they're... contractors. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough one. Um, again, if somebody comes in and says my way or the highway and we're not having a discussion about it, like what, what kind of precedent does that set? Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot, of, there's a lot that I've read over the years about the concept of having your employees hold you hostage as a business owner, you know, do what yeah. I say or I quit. Uh, and I think that that's just a very poor way of, uh, of managing up or managing down. It's kind of the same as if your boss says, do what I say or you're fired. Like what kind of relationship is that, you know, for you to be, you know, spending all of your working hours working in that kind of do what I say or I quit or do what I say or you're fired. Like that's just, that just goes against that. That just goes against my grain. Maybe, maybe there are some people that are out there that are going to listen to it and say, "Oh, I love it when people tell me what to do and don't give me any options." I'd probably say that that's not the majority well, of the people that want to be practice owners. Yeah, and you know, honestly, if so, if, if if I was to hire somebody and they were like, "Hey, can I be paid an independent contractor instead of a, as an employee?" Um, I I would say no very quickly unless it was a very specific cir- circumstance, um, but. For you guys that are listening, um, the risk of in that is is almost always on the employer, or not the employee. It's only gonna it, it, if it gets reclassified. That's only gonna biff the empl- the, the 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 service the person providing the service in the long run. So you can't you can't flip it around and it end up being better for you. So if you were to say, okay, sure, uh, Joseph comes to me and says, hey, I want to be paid as an independent contractor. I say, okay, sure, Joseph, go ahead, I'll pay you as an independent contractor. Um, you know. Uh, what, 
could happen, you know, three years down the line is we break up we decide that, you know, it's not going to fit anymore. You go your own way. I go my own way. And, you know, maybe you decide to be an unscrupulous person and say, you know what? I know I was getting paid as an independent contractor when I shouldn't have. So I'm going to report him to the IRS and see if I can get my back taxes paid back for me. You know, get my, get all my refunds back now. Um, you probably could do that. <laughs> I mean, just to, just to be clear about it. Um, and, um, you know, that's only going to affect me. It's not going to affect you. So reverse that and say that three years go by, we break up. You decide, you know, you're not going to work for me anymore. I can't do anything. Like there's no, there's no, there's no better situation for me. Like it's just the, the engagement ends. Um, and I can't flip the script and say, well, oh, no, he was an employee. I want to get, I want to, I want to pay my back taxes. <laughs> like, like it, it doesn't work that way. Um, so um, just be aware of that. Uh, if you're, if you're, if you're in that situation, if they're saying they want to be paid as an independent contractor, you're taking on risk by doing that. They are not. Um, and so in those types of situations, you have to be willing to say, no, this isn't the right thing to do and I'm not going to do it. Um, even though it could cost me this potentially great associate. Um, if that's the sticking point of like why they don't want to be your associate, then they can, you know, buy Felicia. I mean, at that, at that point, just walk them out the door. I mean, that's, that's a, a, a small enough sticking point that they shouldn't be, they shouldn't, that, that, that's a giant red flag that you probably end up saving yourself money, uh, and heartache, uh, in the long run. Um, so, so yeah, so that, that, that's an important thing to remember. So again, those big misconceptions are one, you can't contract this away Two is the employer doesn't make, just make the decision, um, which I hope we've covered in, 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 in detail in the conversation. And three is the employee or the service provider doesn't, you know, dictate that either. Um, are there any other misconceptions that you can think of in terms of this, Joseph? I'll just pay him as a contractor. There's no rules about it. That, <laughs> yeah. That's the big thing. Like, oh yeah. I'll yeah, just yeah. write him a check. Yeah. I write check as a business owner. I'll just call him a contractor. As Here's long as I gave him a 1099, as long as I gave him a 1099 at the end of the year, they were a contractor, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we've, we've done a good job of describing the problem and giving you the solution in this situation of, of how to do it. Always you know, check with your CPA. Um, if, if you're going to try and, um, the harder burden on this one is to try and make someone a contractor whenever they could, they're, they're probably an employee. Uh, I think most people know when they're doing that. Um, and they're just trying to make it simpler where they don't have to pay the unemployment taxes, um, and get out of the 7.65% employer taxes. Um, if that's the case that if, if you look into your soul of souls and decide that's what you're trying to do, just pay the person as an employee, eat, eat the 7.65% and hopefully that they're a good employee. Um, but if you're one of those more gray cases, then you know, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, involve your CPA with, with, with a conversation, um, and be aware of it so that you can start building a body of proof. If it does ever get questioned, because again, the only person taking risk in this, in this relationship is you, is the employer, not the contractor slash employee. Um, it can only end up helping that person where it could end up hurting you a lot. Um, so yeah, this has been our episode about independent contractors and employees. We may split this one up into two episodes. Uh, so if you, uh, hear this on the second episode, then I uh, hope that you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, as always go to the Facebook group, talk to us about if you've ever been paid as an employer or employee or an independent contractor and you thought it wasn't right and why it wasn't right. Um, you know, go to the, Go, go talk to other people, tell, tell your stories uh, and engage in the conversations there. Um, you can go to the, the Facebook group, just search for Tooth and Coin Podcast on Facebook and click on join the group and we'll see you there. So until next time, until next time, see ya.
<laughs> Bye, guys. That's it for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Tooth and Coin podcast. Uh, if you are going to be a practice owner or a new practice owner and you're interested in CPA services, head on over to toothandcoin.com where you can check out more about our CPA services. Uh, we help out around 250 offices around the country and would love to be able to have the discussion about how we could help your new practice. We do specialize in new practice owners, so people that have uh, are, are about to be an owner of a practice they're acquiring, about to be an owner of a practice they are starting up, or has become an owner in the past five years. That is our specialty. Uh, we'd love to be able to talk to you about how we could help you in your services with your tax and accounting services. Uh, and if you enjoyed today's episode, again, go to the Facebook group, talk to us about what we've talked about, um, join in on the discussion, and let's create an environment where we can talk about some of these things so that we can all help each other get through these things together so that this adventure of business ownership is more fun, more productive, and better in the long term. Lastly, if you want access to those resources that we're going to that we are currently building, just text the word tooth and coin to 33444. That's tooth and coin, no spaces, T-O-O-T-H-A-N-D-C-O-I-N to 33444. Apply with your email address. We'll send you the instructions in the Facebook group. We'll send you the resources when they're available and we will see you next week.